Wow. Um, thank you, Dr. Freimeyer. That's, um, it's such a privilege to be here. I, am, I was shocked when you asked me, and so I, I just give to you um, this morning what I hope will speak to you by the Lord. I'm going to, um, our text for today is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth shakes, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its tumult. There is a river whose streams Make glad the city of God. The, most, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. And the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he brings on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord. You're my strength and you're my redeemer. Amen. Psalm 46 is the psalm that Martin Luther referenced when he wrote his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, probably because the psalm portrays God as a citadel of strength and help for those who fear. So I want to start our conversation today by exploring and, or asking what the psalmist meant when he wrote, therefore, we will not fear. What is it? that we will not fear, right? I think the answer to that question is the heart of this psalm. And I think that the psalmist brilliantly uses metaphor to tell the story. What is it that we will not fear? 
Well, the fear could be the first, verse 2 and 3. Though the earth changes, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its tumult, it, help, it would help us to know what the ancients thought of the physical earth at that time. They believed that the mountains held up the dry land out of the chaotic sea and held up the, the um, sky so that it wouldn't fall down. So you're talking about the most cataclysmic thing that could happen if those mountains shook and trembled. If they did, the water would overflow the, the land and the sky would fall down, an earth-changing event. I was um, looking at a news event on the Encinito mudslide. And this particular segment was a gentleman who lived in Encinito, and he was outside with his cell phone, video ro rolling. And he was yelling at a truck out, telling him to turn around, turn around, the mudslide's coming, turn around. And at that point, you could see this mud, this wall of mud with not just mud, but boulders and debris vastly approaching where he was. He turned around and hightailed it inside, and you heard him say, shut the door, shut the door, shut the door. And the next thing you see on, on his video is he and his elderly mother and his elderly father and their three-legged dog standing this high deep, waist deep in the mud. And this poor woman is looking over with this catatonic look on her face, and all that is familiar to her in her own house are maybe a few pictures that are above the mud line, an earth-changing event, cataclysmic. Is this the fear that, that the psalmist is telling us that we shouldn't fear? I'm, I'm sure it's part of it, but I don't think that's all of it. I think there's more to consider. Look at verse 6. We, we find that the psalmist writes, the nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms are tottering. The psalmist takes us from the physical earth to the political and the social realm. And I'm thinking to myself, Venezuela, Syria, where the, the gas, the children are being gassed. You, I'm thinking of the immigrants who are fleeing the South and, and Central America. They're fleeing oppressive governments, but not only oppressive governments, but they live in gangs or, 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 or um, killing their sons and their daughters. And they're fleeing to um, the north for refuge. Is this the fear, this social and political chaos? Is this the fear that the psalmist is talking about that we will not fear? I think it may be part of it, but I think that there's more if we dig. I think the key verse here is the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. I kept thinking, the God of Jacob, the God of Jacob. Why not the God of Abraham or the God of Isaac? It's the God of Jacob. So I started reading, and it kind of fell into place why it's the God of Jacob. Well, Jacob was the, the younger twin of Esau, and, and, of course, he's the one who took the blessing, stole the blessing, and Esau got really ticked off, so ticked off he wanted to kill him. And his mother, Rebecca, is like, okay, you got to get out of here. Well, let him calm down. He's... <laughs> He, she sends him over to, to, her, to his uncle's land. She goes, go to his, your uncle's until he calms down. And so Jacob flees. He's on the run. And he lays down his head at night on his way. And he 
There's a stone for his pillow. He's not comfortable. His earth has changed. And, um, and God comes to him in a dream. And he entered, it's like he introduces him to him. He goes, I'm the Lord of your father Abraham and the Lord of your father Isaac. And the land on which you lie, I'm going to give to you and your offspring. And your offspring will be like the dust of the earth. And he goes on till he gets to the place where he says, Jacob, know that I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back into this land, for I won't leave you until I have done what I promised. And Jacob wakes up and he's going, whoa, God is talking to me. And what he does is he makes a vow. And he says, he says this, if God be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God. And then he goes to his uncle's land, and he marries, and he tarries, and he stays there for years, and then the Lord comes to him and he says, it's time to go back to the land where your brother is. Well, Jacob, along with Two of his, uh, his two wives and two maids. And anyway, he had a lot of family. He had a whole bunch. He had a whole bunch of, of cattle. He was a rich man. Lots of bread and lots of clothes. And um, he gathers them up and they go back to the land where he's, his, father, his father's land. And he's standing on the border and he tells his messenger, go tell Esau we're, I'm, we're here. We're coming in. We're kind of coming and be here again. So the messenger goes to Esau and he comes back to, to Jacob and he says, I found Esau and I told him you're coming and he's coming to meet you with 400 of his men. <laughs> so of course Jacob freaks out, fear grips his heart and he starts thinking, okay, immediately he takes his family and he divides them. He thinks, okay, if, if he, he's coming to kill me. He's not just killing me. He's killing my family, too. So I'll, I'll, I'll send them off in different directions so that when he gets here, at least maybe one of them will, will, will live. And my progeny won't, I'll have some, something left. And then he goes to pray. And he prays this to the Lord. He says, O oh God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord who said to me, you told me, Return to my, your, your country and to your kindred, and I will do you good. I'm not worthy of the least of all the steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you've shown your servant. For with only my staff I came across the Jordan, and now I have two companies. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, from the hand, um, for I'm afraid of him. He may come and kill us all, the mothers with the children. But you've said, God, that I'll do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea. And so he sleeps. And the next morning he wakes up and he, said, he, he looks and he says to, in his mind, he's thinking, okay, 
Now, I know what I said to God last night, but I, I need to figure out a way to appease, J, to appease Esau. So he goes out amongst all his cattle, and he gets 550 of them. And he says, okay, I'm going to take the servants, and I'm going to divide the cattle, and I'm going to give them presents to Jacob. So they're going to come in waves. Oh, yeah. So And tell them that I'm giving it to you. So one servant would come, hi, Esau, this is from Jacob. 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 And maybe by the time he gets to Jacob, he, will, he'll be, um, he won't be upset and he won't kill him. <laughs> so he gets them going. And then that night, he crosses over the river and he takes his family and he divides them. And they leave. And he's left alone to face his brother and the 400 men. Jacob, I would say, is in a vulnerable position. And I think he's having a crisis. There's a crisis of faith at that time as well. And at that time, a man shows up. And he starts wrestling with Jacob. And, you know, I looked at that whole wrestling. I don't do sports, but I looked at wrestling because he wrestled. <laughs> right? And they, they, what they do is they look at each other like this. And they're, they're facing each other. And then they start doing this with their hands, right? And they, they grab their heads, they grab their arms, they grab their feet. They're all trying to flip them down because the one who pins them is the one who's the victor, right? And I, so the first time I watched it, it's like they pinned them. And I'm thinking, well, that, wasn't, that was quick. And all of a sudden, you see the guy underneath, and he's wiggling. And he's wiggling, and all of a sudden, pop, he pops up, and the other one gets up, and they, they start it again, right? And this is all night long. This is all night long. And so right before the morning dawns, before the, before the sun comes up, the man says to Jacob, or the man hits, doesn't hit, he touches his a hip socket, and he says, okay, I got to go, let me go. And Jacob goes, uh-uh, I'm not letting you go. And not until you bless me. And he asks him his name, and then he says, he says, okay, I'll bless you. And he changes his name from Jacob to Israel, which means... You, though, you who have striven with God and prevailed. Yes, you heard that right. Striven with God. This man who's come to wrestle with Jacob is God. God in the flesh. The man, God, showed up at Jacob's most vulnerable moment in his life. And he was a God in human form. Isn't that an interesting concept? I mean, if we hold the view that, of God as a mighty fortress, the only connection I have with fortress and castle is I used to live in Japan, in Iwakuni, Japan. And our city was at the base of a mountain. Well, all cities in Japan are at the base of a mountain. <laughs> and you, you would cross the river and go up. We went up as Kintai Castle. It was a samurai castle. And when you walked up, the thing I remember is the, the, the walls were as thick or thicker than, than this um, platform. You walk inside, and it's a little bit, um, it feels strong. You know, you feel like you're not, I mean, it's not like you're in a house. You're in a, um, a strong building. And, but the, the windows are small, so it's a little dark, a little dank. 
And I remember feeling cold. And I remember it being impersonal. It's not somewhere I would want to come in and live. And so I thought, what is, what is the word that I'm looking for for it? It's, a, it's immovable. Immovable. Well, immovable doesn't fit in this story, does it? it? This is a story. This story tells of a God who moved toward Jacob. The, the castle moved to Jacob. God came to Jacob. God became a man and wrestled with Jacob. I always thought of it as Jacob wrestling with God, and I guess he did, but God initiated it. God met Jacob right where Jacob was. And you know why? Because God isn't a fortress. He's not immovable. He is a God who is moved by us. He is with us. He is for us. He is our refuge and our strength. When you wrestle with somebody, I saw them, they're like, they get sweaty together, their faces are together. You would know, as you're wrestling, right, you would know the weaknesses and the strengths. You would learn to know the weaknesses and the strengths of the one that you're wrestling with. God knew Jacob's strengths and his weaknesses. And he wanted Jacob to know his strength is for Jacob. His strength is for us. God is not a fortress made of walls. No. I propose a new metaphor for the refuge of God. I propose that the refuge of God is more like a blanket. This blanket was made by my grandmother 34 years ago for me. And it rests on the back of my listening post. And every morning I come to my listening post, I take it off, I sit down and I cover myself with my blanket. And when I do, I feel the presence of my grandmother. The blanket comforts me because I remember her love. And every time I do it, I remember who I am and where I came from. The refuge of God covers us by his presence. The refuge of God comforts us with his presence. The, the, the refuge of God defines us with his presence. 
I remember as a young child, if I got scared at night, I would hide myself under the covers of my blanket at night. And I grew up with Charlie Brown. <laughs> and so I couldn't help but think about Linus. Right? Linus. He always had his blanket. He would freak out if he didn't have his blanket. And the only time I remember him not having his blanket was when he was at the Christmas play. And he recited, just before he recited the scripture, he dropped his blanket. And at the end of that scripture, he picked it up again. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. What is it that we shouldn't fear? Is it the 400 men and your murderous brother who's coming to kill you? Is it the mud that is filling our houses? Is it the political and the, the social upheaval that we live in every single day? Is that what we're to fear or not to fear? I think that the psalmist is talking about something else. I think that the psalmist is talking about, the fear that he's talking about is that we, will, we fear that God is not with us. Elephant in the room. I think the fear is that we don't believe that God will be with us and as a, a help in, a, in, in, in our trouble. Secretly down. I mean, I, I, I relate to Jacob. I relate to Jacob. How many times, God, I've said, I've prayed on, in my listening chair, God, I know that you've done this in my life. I know that you've done that in my life. You've always, I, I can just name it. I've got it written. I can read it. I can name it. I can tell you that God is faithful. I can tell you that he has taken me from, from a, a, a person who knew nothing in the dark, who was dead, to a person who is living, able to think, able to speak, somewhat. <laughs> and then I get up out of that chair and I go, but... I don't know if you can really handle this problem. I'll, I'll try to do something. And what happened to Jacob when he finally met Esau? He met Esau, and Esau got off of his horse, ran to meet him, and embraced him, and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept together. God brought Jacob to his father's house in peace. Come, 
Behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he brings to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I'm God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. God brings peace to our situations. And he does it with his presence. He does it with his presence. God came to Jacob as a man. God comes to us as a man, Jesus. And his presence is pictured as a river whose streams make glad. We don't have to fear about being without the presence of Christ. His Holy Spirit is here. We don't have to fear that he won't be a present help in time of trouble. We don't have to fear that we won't have enough bread or any, enough clothing. We don't have to fear that we won't can't or won't live in peace because he is our peace. We don't have to fear responding to his call. Whatever it is that we fear, whatever fear rests in us, we can rest assured that there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. And that river is Christ. Revelation tells us, then the, an the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the, of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. And on either side of the river, there's a tree of life and with it, 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. You see, our wrestling is not just for ourselves. Finding our refuge and our strength in the reality of the close proximity of God who is with us produces a peace in us and in our faith communities. And can I say that those people who are not in our faith community, are not in a faith community, desperately need to see that peace and wrestle with it. So let's give them, church, something to wrestle with. Let's give them something to wrestle with. The Lord 
of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Peace be with you.